since we've been in here. We've been planning this for like, what, three weeks now just to have yeah. you in the door. I but lost track. <laughs> sometimes life gets in the way, life does but get in the way, it's yeah. nice to actually like, I find that that's happened with us in the past year. It's like nice when we finally get to sit down and do the podcast, especially when like life happens, either knee injuries or like I'm away on a Spartan race or whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're here now. With Stefan, I just learned how to say that. Yep. Azule? Azule? Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, it. Riley. I like, that's half the battle of starting these podcasts. <laughs> it's like, can I say the person's name? And then we can get going. Um, but London-born ballet dancer, yep. trained at Academy Ballet in Sydney from 2006 to 2008, obtained an advanced diploma in dance from the Victorian College of the Arts, has danced with the Joffrey Ballet Concert Group and Nevada Ballet Theater, yep. is passionate about food, which we talked about on the way in. Yep. And what some may call a foodie, I, I always call like people that love food foodies. So, um, And is now a Royal Winnipeg Ballet dancer as part of the Corps du Ballet. Yeah. That was all I that are. As I try and bring bring out the French uh, immersion schooling that I took <laughs> in the in the early parts of my life. but uh, And now performing in uh, The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Is that, that's the one that's... Yeah, we just had a performance for Ballet and the Band. It was a collaboration we did with Brothers Landreth. And uh, we had one day off, and then we started working on Wizard of Oz. So this last week was was that the rehearsals were crazy. It was awesome, though. It was uh, it was a lot of <laughs> everyone kept just saying like, "Oh, my brain is so dead." Like, what what food is good for your brain? You know, like everyone was just fried. But it was it was a fun week, and we're super excited. So those shows are May first to fifth, and um, yeah, it's going to be a riot. That's crazy to just those transitions from performing one thing, you maybe get comfortable with that, and then all of a sudden that quick transition yeah. to a new piece or project. I can't imagine just that mind state because you're probably exhausted by the end of that oh, yeah. last one. So then to shift and then have to do it all over again. That's, that's that, crazy, though. Only one day of rest, you said, right? Usually we get to. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but this, uh, the, the, it's the way the season worked out. That there's a short time frame for... The rehearsals for Wizard of Oz usually for a new production will get like one extra week, but uh, we got four weeks basically until shows. Um, <clears throat> so they, yeah, and there's a long weekend coming up. So they're like, we just need to rehearse as much as we can um, as quickly as possible. <laughs> so how long do rehearsals typically last? Just as long as they need to or? Um, like day to day? Yeah. Uh, so we pretty much rehearse all day long. Uh, like um, there's there's always stuff to do. So we hardly ever don't have work to do or have something to rehearse. Um, so we we have company class at 9.30 to uh, 10.45 and then rehearsals from 11 to 6 uh, with a lunch break in there. Um, but the class is basically just for you to maintain your body and to stay in shape and to get warm for the day. And then from that point on, you just rehearse for the rest of the day. How do you keep your body healthy enough to be able to do that day after day? Um, well, you gotta you got to eat well. Um, so eat as healthy as possible and um, just generally, you know, live a, a healthy lifestyle. Lots of sleep is important. Um, but with any high stress job, you know, those those things <laughs> can get more difficult than it sounds. Yeah, I have sleeping problems, I'm, you know, like, so sometimes that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, I try to eat as healthy as I can uh, and not put too much crap in my body. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you, have, if you need a beer, you need a beer. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's, it's a good balance in there somewhere. And, uh, yeah. I think that's the word of it is that balance. But I know that my time playing football, it was like, it was always during the seasons. 
it's a chaotic time, especially I'd say university was the highest level that I played at, but it's, you're in film sessions, you have a practice at two hour to two and a half to even three after the coach is done talking at the end of the night. But then you wake up and there's some days where it's like your body is sore, you've taken these hits and you're like bruised up and your ankle's not quite working right. So I can only imagine it's like the same type of beating that your body takes, just dancing and maybe like you end up on the floor a couple times, like hopefully maybe not at your level of, uh, but I can only imagine when you're trying to perfect a performance that, those things and and putting your body in in those certain situations might happen too. You definitely abuse your body, like yeah. intentionally or not. You know, uh, it's it's a it's an elitist sport, really. You know, just like anything, and uh, it's not easy. Otherwise, everyone would do it. Yeah. So um, you're, that's why ballet careers are pretty short. Generally, like if you get if you get past thirty, it's a, a long career. So that puts into perspective a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, yeah, like yesterday I got a massage and um, my massage therapist, just every single single thing she worked on, she just went like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what is happening, you know? But that's just, it's the end of the season. So it's been a long season. So we, we go from like beginning of July to beginning of May. So that's 10 months. Oh, sorry. No tapping. Um, that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. As long as it's just not the slapping light. the table yeah. like yeah. I do. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I just thought of the, this is Sparta moment. Not, uh, 300, <laughs> but um yeah, so uh, it's a long season, and uh, by the end of it, your body's pretty pretty wrecked, you know. So um, you have to take care of it. But uh, what goes into uh, like besides diet? Like what goes into keeping you healthy? And like what are into those classes? What do you do? So I think the biggest thing for me is I, I do a lot of outside workouts as well. Um, everyone's different. Like some people find that like class and rehearsal is enough to keep their body in shape. Um, to me, I like to cross train as much as I can. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a busy bee. Like I, I take Pilates, I go to the gym, I do like spin workouts, uh, just anything I can, I can do, I will do it. So uh, that, that's one thing though that people are surprised by because I put a lot of like, well, not just me, but uh, dancers put a lot of extra hours into maintaining their body for rehearsals, right? So sometimes we work out extra every single day, you know, like I, I don't recall the last time I've didn't do anything all day long. Like I always do something in a day, whether it's light workout or heavy workout. There's, there's yeah, you just you got to keep the body going. Um, but for me, like that and good diet is probably the most important things to just keep myself going. So for you, what is it? What does that entail in terms of a good diet? Well, uh, lots of protein, <laughs> lots of carbs, um, lots of veggies. Really, uh, it's it's try to cut back on sugar as much as I can um, and just have like, I, I eat a lot of food. So I, I just, I fuel my body, but since I'm burning calories for a living, it's okay. Yeah. You know, so well, I imagine you're expending an enormous amount of calories on a daily basis. I should get like a, a one of those like Fitbit things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually track it because yeah. it'd be insane. Like, yeah. um, oh, I'm sure I'd be through the roof. Yeah. So I, I, I don't have to watch what I eat in terms of the amounts, I basically eat as much as I can when I have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have these big meals and it keeps me fueled for the day. Um, I drink quite a bit of coffee, which I try to cut back. Like once it hits like two o'clock, I try not to drink anymore. But um, yeah, just try to eat wholesome meals and keep it all balanced. Like not too much of one thing in a day. 
For sure. Um, but, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. So I yeah. think what fascinates me most about ballet is sort of the mixture between athleticism and art. Yeah. So maybe how does that, like, how does that play out? Like, obviously, you have to take care of your body, but then you also have to be engaged in the pieces and the music and the choreography and the, and the art of it all. So how do you see ballet in your own mind? Um, well, everyone's different. Uh, I think whenever there is a, um, a character to sink your teeth into, it's a lot easier to get invested in it. Um, but that being said, that doesn't mean that every ballet we do, there is a character. You know, there's, uh, there's abstract pieces, there's more contemporary pieces. Uh, it might just be cool dancing, you know, that might just be fun dancing. There's no character, there's no storyline. Um, it doesn't mean you're not emotionally invested. In uh, but when there's a character or a, a, a story, I guess, um, you can invest a lot. You know, it's like acting almost um, too much sometimes uh, to where it affects how you are as a person. Um, but everyone's got a different... Um, work style and, uh, I guess, uh, ways they approach it. Um, but I like to just go for it, just dive into the character 100%. And sometimes it kind of messes me up in the head a little bit, but when you go on stage, it's worth it. You know, like it, you can tell if you're on stage and you're invested in the character or not, you know. So um, it's, it's a lot. Like sometimes there'll be a pretty traumatic, you know, scene in a, in a ballet where someone might die or, you know, it's Roman Juliet or something like that. Um, but it's got to be real. You can't go on stage and, like, I mean, you can fake it to some degree, but, like, it, it, the emotions have to be real. Um, but if, and that takes a toll, though. Like, whenever you have, like, a big, um, a big role like that after, you know, the, the climax of the scene or whatever, you kind of get off stage and it's, like, it, it takes a while. You know, like it, you do your cut and call and you kind of just like process it and process it. You end, probably end up crying or something. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, it's, it's a lot, you know. But I'd rather be like that than not invest in the character itself, you know. Yeah, there's got to be a fine line between. I think it's probably better to over invest and then pull that back a little bit. And, yeah. and how, do you, how do you stay yourself within that moment? And how do you like how do you navigate those waters? I think it's, I was watching the trailer for the new Joker movie, and that seems to be a role, I mean, Heath Ledger ended up passing away, but it seems to be the one role that people in Hollywood, it's these off-cast people that typically do it. Heath Ledger, I would say, was more of a, like, he was like a popular actor, whereas now Joaquin Phoenix taking it over. He's mm -hmm. one of those, he's been on the outskirts, so it's, but it seems to be a role that really messes with people's heads in the end. So it is that... It's strange, I think, to be a good actor or a good dancer. It's like, how much do you invest? Yeah. But then how are you able to stay yourself at the end of the day, too? Yeah, I think for me it's important to bring yourself to whatever character you do. Um, otherwise, it, it just never works quite as well. Almost, um, it comes off almost as fake. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. yeah it's got to feel real. If yeah. it doesn't feel real, then it's off. It's, something's off about it. Um, so uh, no matter, like, even if the character is something completely just not me, you just have to find like find moments or find um, little nuances that make it relatable. Uh, I did see the trailer of that this morning, and I thought it was freaking 
awesome. So I'm excited. It's, yeah, it does look very, yeah, very when, good. When a trailer is like that intriguing, it gets you so excited, you know? Yeah. yeah. It seems very noir and very strange and very, I just like the pick of Joaquin Unsettling. Yeah. yeah. You just, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch it yeah. and just see what they do with that character because it's, it's almost how, how well Heath Ledger did in that role. It almost seemed that who's going to approach this again and now to actually see a Joker movie, it's, uh, and and to look that good, it's it's exciting for yeah. sure. Yeah. I hope it's not one of those like great trailer crappy movie situations. Yeah. I, I or really wanted the to entire awesome. story was in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but um, it looks awesome. Yeah. So, how did you get started in in ballet and dance, and where did that passion come about? So, my dad uh, is a flamenco dancer. Um, flamenco is a form of Spanish dancing. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of footwork and stuff. What am I and, thinking? Of? <laughs> is that the, there's the like hands? Cast, there's the, castanets yeah. and there's the long dresses oh, nice. and uh, I mean there's a lot of things to it but it's a pretty like serious art form like it's pretty intense um, uh, but yeah so that's what my dad is slash did and um, I got into that when I was very very young there's like videos of me and photos of me when I was a, like two or three years old doing it and then when we moved to Australia I started um, like jazz and tap and hip hop, probably about seven, I would say at that time. Ballet was actually a little bit later, it was like around 10 years old. And then um, I went to an arts high school. I always thought I was gonna be a contemporary dancer. Um, and then I got into Australian ballet school. Um, so while I was getting the, the way it works is uh, kind of like it does here at uh, the school at Royal Winnipeg. Um, while you go to the Australian ballet school, you go to the Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School for your education. Um, so you finish the education there and you kind of do the minimum amount you have to do um, but still get your high school certificate. But then they also add in extra credits so you can get your diploma and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, so once I got into the Australian Ballet School, I guess ballet kind of just took over. Um, so yeah, that's the rest is kind of just. Is there a moment that sticks out as you knew that dance in some form was what you wanted to pursue in your life, like that it was your passion and that this was the thing that you wanted to get better at? The funny thing is, I always knew I wanted to dance. There was never a moment. I don't remember n not thinking I was going to dance. I always was like, yeah, I'm going to dance. No matter what happens in life, I'm dancing. Like that's always been a thing, even from a young age. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, like. Um, so what, like, what brought on the move from, because you're originally from London, right? Yeah, around, so that's a big move. We, um, we didn't live there very long. Uh, so my dad had like a flamenco production company, I guess. Um, and he was, so we were from London, we moved to Munich and we were there for like four years-ish, four or five years. And then we moved to Australia. Okay. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Um. But yeah, so I lived in, I grew up in Germany, I guess. And then uh, once we moved to Australia, we, we, my mom and I stuck there and then my dad was bouncing around doing flamenco stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of just how it went. How difficult is it to pick up and move that much and ingrain yourself in different places? Do you feel that it, it's become easier for you to come to a place like Winnipeg? I, I think it's your second season yeah, with the Royal yeah. Winnipeg Ballet. So. Do you almost get used to having to ingrain yourself in a new place and a new culture and with new people? Or do you feel that maybe dance helps? You have the, the people that you're dancing with 
and and or on the team or the school or where wherever that it's easy to make those links or is it maybe difficult to bounce around that much and go to new mm. places all the time? It's a very jaded question. <laughs> uh, no, I don't uh, mean to be jaded. No, 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 no. I mean, well, it's a jaded answer is mm. what I should have said. Sorry. No, um, I, I guess I, I, I do assimilate very easily, but that's probably because of the fact that I've bounced around my entire life. Uh, so it doesn't take me very long to integrate myself into a community. Uh, but that being said, there's always a weird transition time uh, until I get to that point where I, I doubt the reason I moved out to wherever I moved to. So when I first got to New York, it was rough. But it didn't take very long until it was like it was the best decision I made ever. And I loved New York after that point since, right? And I got to Vegas, I thought it was rough. Then I made my, my best friends in Vegas, who are still my best friends now, I can't imagine my life without them, right? So at a certain point in each move, there's kind of a, a breaking point where I'm like, it was worth it, you know? Yeah. But until that, I'm like, eh, this is kind of vish, you know, it's kind of rough. I think it's almost with most things in life is sometimes it, it's, it's not always easy to make decisions, but it's you make the decision yeah. and then you, you're not quite sure how that's going to turn out or what's going to come of it. So it, there is that sort of down part after yeah. that move where you're like, was this the right decision? I was comfortable or well, I have friends there yeah, that's and I too. knew what I was doing. And then it's that build up to then that point where maybe it's better. Or maybe the opportunity makes you that much more fulfilled after. I think that like, that goes with any change, right? You're coming out of that sort of comfort zone and yeah. going into a whole new environment, especially just even New York to Las Vegas. That's a huge oh, jump right there. They're crazy. very different cities. Yeah. And I can't imagine coming into Winnipeg and... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you experienced uh, cold in London like you do here. No, so I, I did date a Canadian girl for a long time um, while I was in New York and oh, really? Winnipeg, and she was from Edmonton. Okay. So I did know what I was getting myself into. But <laughs> That's good. doing a, like a week of it in Christmas is very doing, uh, different than doing a full winter. Mm -hmm. So I think that, honestly, the turning point for me was when I finally got to the summer of Winnipeg <laughs> the next season because <laughs> I was like oh this is something to look forward to <laughs> yeah um, but it, yeah I, I think the change makes you grow as a person and as a as an artist as well I think uh, the, the one I guess through line is that I've always made the the decisions based on my career so um, I, I don't it's not that I have regrets but I, I do like I do miss the good things about the last place but the same time, I don't really look back because I'm just trying to give my career its full value, you know, so, oh, while it lasts. As a dancer, is moving like is that a regular thing for most dancers to move around that much? Not really. I mean, some people do it. Okay. Some people do bounce around a lot, uh, but it's it's tough. It's really tough to you know start fresh again and again. Uh, so it's very easy to get comfortable. Uh, in so many ways, financially and uh, mm -hmm. kind of just within the, the community you're in. And uh, I, in Vegas, when I left, I was doing great dancing. I was doing really well in the company, uh, but I just felt like I needed something, I want to say bigger. I don't know if big is the best way to describe it, but just something of more value. Uh, and I auditioned for all Canadian companies. So this was the only one I got into, so I took it. 
Um, also, with, with Ballet, if you get a job offer, you take it. You don't think twice because there's not many job offers. And oh, really? It, yeah, yeah, there's never many jobs available. So if you do get a, an offer and it's better than your last situation, you don't think twice. Um, unless you're really comfortable. So yeah, it's kind of, you got to find a balance there. But I think uh, that's a unique path, the fact that you knew what you wanted to do from such a young age and have been pursuing it ever since. I would yeah. say that, I mean, personal experiences, I've bounced around and there have been different things on that maybe passion, the thing that I want to achieve, the purpose or passion. But I think it's really interesting that you've had this path that you've known what you've wanted to do, but has there ever been that moment where you thought it might not happen for you? Or that that dance or ballet, like, was there ever sort of that in-between part where you're like, I don't know if this is what I can continue to do for much longer? Uh, I would say the closest time I got to that was between uh, Australia and New York. Um, at the time, uh, when I, I was in school in Melbourne, so this would have been, I was 18, and uh, I was actually kicked out of school because of my legs. And it's, just a, it's like a ballet thing. Like it's the, the, the way they looked, they didn't like it. It's like very strict school, so uh, I wish there was a cooler story. Like I got busted for <laughs> whatever, but no, it was, I was a great student. <laughs> um, but... I, so, I, you know, that, that, that's pretty harsh as a kid that works hard. I've always worked my ass off. So uh, I, that was probably my lowest point. Um, but what I didn't realize at the time was when I moved to New York, my world and my perception of dance just exploded. Like, it went from this small little island. Well, it's a big island, but this island in the middle of nowhere with a couple companies to all of North America, you know, so... In some ways, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, but it was rough. There was a couple of rough months there where I was pretty depressed. Um, but I never thought I was going to stop dance, that's for sure. I just wasn't feeling too great about it, um, or about myself. So it was really just a self-esteem thing. But Is that a prevalent thing in ballet about like the, the body types and the certain looks and things? Like, Does it become very much focused on those aesthetics? Depends where you are. A lot of companies are different, but each company has something they're looking for. Yeah. Um, and maybe that what they're looking for is diversity. But usually um, companies have a pretty <laughs> kind of strict uh, like array of what they want. Um, so a lot of the times when you audition somewhere, they'll say, sorry, we don't have a job for you because you're too tall. Because we need a person that's between 5'9 and 5'11, or whatever it might be, right? Um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cutthroat in the ballet industry, to be honest. No kidding. It sounds like it. Like, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine the heartbreak <clears throat> that people must go through. It's, it has nothing to do with their dancing ability. It's like, oh, you're too tall, or your legs don't look the way we want them to look. Yeah. Something that's completely out of your control, right? And it, it screws with you. Like, okay. I've, I've extreme confident issues about my legs ever since that that time in my life right like it you, you get it gets better you know mm -hmm. and you kind of are like well there's more things to ballet than just that and i've obviously had a very good career since so it's okay but you know like those those kind of things really fuck you up so that's why a lot of dances i mean mentally are all sorts of screwed up is this because it's it's so brutal mm -hmm. you know i know so many people that are amazing amazing dances that 
just are a couple inches too short. And there's nothing they can do about that, you know? So what does that get in the way of? Like, why aren't they ones that are sought after? I mean, is, are there certain lifts or certain things that people have to be doing? Is that the majority of it or is it just the looks thing? Uh, I would say the biggest, like, let's say the, the most common example is that you have a lot of, uh, a lot of men that are, are, are too short that uh, aren't given opportunities because when you're a lot shorter than maybe another uh, a tall guy, it makes some lifting a bit awkward. It's not even that there's a strength issue. Mm-hmm. It's just ratios. You know, um, if, if you're really short and there's a, a girl that you're partnering or a guy that you're partnering that's taller than you, then it gets... Difficult, you know, so um, that's the, probably the most common one, I would say. It's interesting to me because it almost seems that there's, it almost, again, I, I hate using football analogies all the time, okay. but it's, it's towards my comprehension of how things work. But I find that there are coaches or choreographers and maybe in your case, um, but that there's, you couldn't bring in people to fit into the system or you can build a system around the people that you have. So it's, it's almost how can we make those skills that those people have shine. Um, funny enough, another video that I was watching today on YouTube was Muggsy Bogues, who was a five foot three NBA basketball player, but at certain times was one of the best at his position. Yeah. So it's, and we, we can become amazed in those situations of the people that are, maybe if it is a shorter dancer or a really tall dancer, or, you know, why can't that be something that's, that's different about them that can be showcased or magnified in a good way as opposed to never letting them in the door. I think that it's, it's probably interesting now just in terms of the way the world's shifting, just sort of that, I don't want to say everyone can do anything, but it's, we sort of value the fact that you might not fit the mold, but you can break the mold a little bit. I agree. I think we're embracing diversity a lot more as a society. Um, <clears throat> I think ballet companies would be better about it, but the biggest problem is money. You know, like there's there's always a limit to how many people you can hire. Um, if we had more money, I'm sure there'd be more space for people to, you know, for more space for just more. Because um, I agree, I think we should embrace everyone no matter how they look or are. And there's a lot of people that are very talented and could do amazing things, but that might be too tall, too short, too whatever, you know, like. I think you should make room for people with talent, no matter what the situation. But I think the biggest hurdle for ballet companies is money. I mean, for any arts organization, really. But mm-hmm. yeah. So it's how do you keep the fan base coming back that that and and give them a product that they're interested in and passionate about and happy with. And so, does it then become? Do you think it's maybe, is ballet a little bit stuck in the traditionalist view of things? Or do you find that they are, I mean, I guess you have said that it's becoming more diverse, but yeah. is there still this sense of like, we want to give the crowd like this exact product that they can engage with? Hmm. Like, maybe. do you find ballet's evolving in the dance sense or is it, it's, is it Ballet has evolved a lot. Yeah. It has evolved. Even, even with the like, classical ballets, it's all evolved. Um, what I think has changed drastically, uh, more than ballet itself, is the entertainment industry. Uh, let's say in the last 30 years, for example, uh, it used to be that you went to, if you wanted to go out, you went to the 
play, the opera, the orchestra, or the ballet. You know, like those are the kind of the things that culturally we would do. Um, but now you can go home, watch Netflix all night. You know, like, or just <laughs> not even put the TV on. I just watch things on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I think the entertainment industry has just drastically changed um, for better or for worse. Uh, but it, it does make it hard for ballet companies, uh, for sure, just because there's so many things to do, you know, and uh, it's harder and harder to engage a younger audience um, every day. Yeah, I think uh, uh, theater has that same, yeah. same problem, um, yeah. especially in Canada right now. Have you... So because ballet is, is both dance and, and acting kind of in one, have you ever explored acting outside of dance or has it, they, have those two things always gone together? I have never personally explored that. I mean, I've, I go to the theater all the time, but I don't really act outside of the studio or the stage. Uh, I've gotten into like the, the like front of a camera quite a bit recently where I guess I'm kind of acting. Um, whether it's interviews or sh- like food shows or whatever, um, which is kind of strange for mm-hmm. me to be put in the spotlight. But you'd, you'd think I'd be okay with it. But as soon as you put a dancer like in front of a camera, they just freak out. It's like, you, you, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it, well, a camera, yeah, a camera tends to do that to people. Yeah, it's very different, and it's very it's because it, it kind of breaks that personal space of yours yeah. a little bit. Where in theater, I don't know, I can't speak for dance. I've never danced, but I've taken theater. In theater, you don't have that. Like your your personal space is is on the stage, right? Like yeah. you don't have the audience or a camera in that space to to invade it. So I think uh, having a camera in it invades it a little bit and can make you very uncomfortable very fast. Right. Yeah. 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 So I've seen you do a bunch of photo shoots lately. How have those come about, and how do you, how are you enjoying doing those too? Um, I mean, they've been great. I think the ones you're probably thinking of are the ones with Mike. Yeah, yeah, likely. Those ones, I mean, they are photo shoots, but I don't really think of them as photo shoots. I just go to a studio and have fun and probably drink a couple of beers and then just <laughs> jump in his frame at an inappropriate time and, <laughs> and you get a photo. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Like, it, it's, uh, it's, it's good for me. I'm trying to, like, uh, increase my, like, social media presence. So whenever there's a, a photo shoot of any kind of nature, I try to just get in it or be part of it and just get some content, just be as involved as I can, possibly. Uh, oh. Isn't that the story of everybody lately? Is like trying to increase my social media presence. Yep, I got to do it for my business, for my personal brand, for my... Yeah, yeah it's interesting how our mm-hmm. world just... Do you, Are you doing that specifically towards your ballet career or is it more just personally for yourself? Mostly for my ballet career. But also just like within, oh, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I personally think that um, in Winnipeg especially, that people are more likely to come to the ballet if they know someone. Uh, so you basically are just making it more personal to uh, each person, right, that you meet or know or, um, yeah, so have a, like a friendship with or acquaintance with. So I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm trying to build myself like as a, a figure, I guess, uh, as, an, as, a, as an artist. Uh, but that's also like, it's just to like bring more pull to the ballet as well. Um, and that's not in our job description at all. 
Um, but I do think that that's something that we can do that benefits us, benefits the company, and you know, um, I think it goes a long way. There's a lot of people that I have uh, met since coming to Winnipeg that always ask me when the next thing is. Or if they see, like for example, there's a plaque of uh, Wizard of Oz at the airport now, and every time someone sees it, they're like, oh, I saw you at the airport, Wizard of Oz, you're going to be Scarecrow. I was like, yeah, cool, like, awesome. <laughs> You know, you're going to come? They're like, yeah, sure. You know, great. Awesome. My work's done for... Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's okay. okay. No, that's okay. I get excited. (laughs) (laughs) Segment is welcome. Yeah. uh, So that's awesome, right? Like that that makes it... I don't know. That that makes me happy that people see the interest and they want to come to the show. That's... There's nothing worse than doing a show with no audience members in it. So, Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much why, really. That's an interesting transition. It used to be that people would go out in the community and there'd be community events and there would be all sorts of, I think of all the rural communities and their like harvest festivals and the apple picking festival and the, yeah, a lot of them start as those agricultural festivals to bring towns together and things, but it's, you would have figures from these prominent organizations, probably even ballet that that's how you'd get people to come. And now it's, it's interesting. That's that, that's shifted. You don't have that human contact necessarily in a certain sense you do, but mm-hmm. now it's all social media based yeah. and your presence, how many people follow you, how good your pictures are, because then they're at the top of the algorithm. It's, it's so strange Have that... you heard of uh, the four words and more thing? No. So like, if you have, the more comments you have on a um, picture, picture or whatever, yeah. if it's four words or more, um, uh, the Instagram will like pump it up in uh, like all the algorithms. Really? Yeah, the more, it, has, it has to be more than four words, otherwise it doesn't, doesn't count. That's, we need to get people to, to comment four words, more than four words. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I literally just write five. four words or more. <laughs> people are like, what? And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> Pumping you up. But yeah. four words or more is only four words, so it doesn't count. <laughs> four words or more. Yeah, four so words. So if, yeah, oh, if it's four words or more, okay. Yeah, so we're good. just need we're the four words. Yeah, I, you, you As, made me freak out for one second. <laughs> you're like, I've been <laughs> doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to scare you like that. Um, that's great. Um, Sorry, that was a really random tangent. No, I, no it's good. tangents are <laughs> I no completely idea. welcome. It's always just like, where do we go after that? Yeah. It's like, I, it is constantly <laughs> weighing things out in my mind. But uh, so of all the places that you lived so far, which is maybe your favorite that you've lived in? I know that that's a loaded question. You don't have to say Winnipeg, although Winnipeg is good. We are in the, we are in the playoffs. The you don't NHL have to say playoffs, Winnipeg, so. but... <laughs> <laughs> but I am obviously biased. But maybe of the other places you've No, no, no. I, I can... uh, Winnipeg has a lot of things I can... I always brag about. Uh, I just think it's hard for me to pick a favorite city non-biasedly because, like, for, for example, my best friend's in Vegas, so I automatically... Just think that. But Vegas as a city wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Uh, at all. Um, everything around Vegas is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like there's Mount Charleston, there's Red Rock Canyon, there's a Grand Canyon, there's all the lakes. Like it's insane. There's a three hour drive to LA. You know, like it, it's everything around it is fantastic. The city itself, not my favorite. Um, that being said, there's still amazing people there um, and a lot of cool things to see. Uh, New York, I think, just for me, and those were like two years that I will never forget. And I, I learned so many things. I just met so many people. It's such a hub. Um, 
it was tough because I like wasn't getting paid as much at that point. So I worked as like a janitor. I worked as a, and also much more expensive to live out there. I'm sure yeah. too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So Vegas was actually very cheap too. Really? Um, if you're off the strip, yeah, there's a lot of affordable places. Um, but um, when Winnipeg is very affordable to live, uh, so I do. I'm I've, I'm the most comfortable I've ever been here financially for sure. And I, I live a great lifestyle. I eat out lots, you know, spend time with people, and I can do other side projects, and it's okay. Uh, but New York, there was definitely more of a grind, for sure. Like, but it was, just, it was just amazing two years. Like, there's so much to see in New York. It's just crazy. I hated Times Square. Well, <laughs> fucking sucked. <laughs> what is it about Times Square? You oh, just, just all of the shit. <laughs> just like... All the people and the things and the hoo-hahs and the whatnots and the just, uh, just so fake. I have, yeah. I have two mini stories. One of them is on that line is for some reason in Disney World, I became claustrophobic because yeah. there was so much humanity around. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm not a claustrophobic person, 100%. Yeah. Like I in closed spaces, lock me in a little box. I'm sure I'd be fine. I'd probably talk myself, <laughs> talk to myself for a long time <laughs> before I got bored of that. But uh, it was just something about... There's millions, there's people as far as your eyes can see, and there's these really tacky rides and stuff, and you're just, it, it became a little bit overwhelming to me. Um, that was just the side note, the similar to Times Square and just seeing all the humanity and things. Um, but then Australia to me is one of those beautiful places mm-hmm. that uh, I would go back to in a heartbeat just to go surfing and go back to Byron Bay, which, which oh. is my home away from home. If you don't know Byron Bay, check it out. Yeah. You're missing a lot. But I actually, I had the privilege of going to Tasmania and then oh, nice. all, all the way from Sydney up to Cairns, as the locals call it, not Cairns as it looks yeah. like on the map for yeah. us Canadians. That's how it's spelt if you want to Google that too. But it was really cool because I got to volunteer in Tasmania and then travel completely up the East Coast and do adventure tourism. So it was, it was part of a student volunteer group. We went in and got to travel with people of a similar age, which was great because I was traveling by myself. But basically got to have all these experiences in a condensed period of time because it was uh, summer break for university. And then even got to stop off in Fiji on the way back, which was also a really cool cultural experience. I found that the Australians were so similar in culture to Canadians. Yeah, pretty much. Besides the extreme accent difference. (laughs) Yeah. um, And the quantity of swearing. um, Yeah, it's pretty similar lifestyle. Do we swear less here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I've never been to Australia, so I'm not. Oh, it's very it's, familiar. Yeah, we swear a lot. It wasn't the <laughs> swearing, but it's actually the accent that first attracted me to going to Australia. Yeah. But then I was traveling with a bunch of Americans, so I had to hear the Americans and didn't get to know enough Australians, in my opinion. So yeah, there's um, um there's actually a, a group of us here in Winnipeg uh, of Australians. So do you consider yourself an Australian then, yeah. even if you're, yeah? I, so my background is all over the place. <laughs> um, Neapolitan. Yeah, is, like my yeah. mom's Portuguese and my dad's Moroccan. and wow. I have English citizenship. Oh, I could get it, I guess, and I could get Portuguese citizenship. And, um, but I, when I say I'm from, I'm, I'm saying I'm from Australia. Because I grew up the majority of my life there. I have Australian passport. I use that. So, um, But it's confusing because I, I start digressing and they're like, so wait, where are you from? <laughs> Like, but what Munich? What like London? What I don't get it, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's but it's great. I mean, I've got a crazy background. It's awesome. Um, I did want to talk a little bit more about the dancing side of things, yeah. and wanted to know: is there like a moment that you've had on stage that was like 
I don't know. I can think back of the athletic times that I've had or, or even performing in bands or something. But there's sometimes those moments where you're just like lost in it and really enjoy it. Have you had some of those in your career? Oh, yeah. Uh, every single time I do a significant role, there's, there's a moment like that. And I don't know if it's because I like I will it or if it just happens naturally. But um, I can't think of any show that I've done where there hasn't been some sort of moment like that. Uh, and it's probably mostly to the to the point that we like rehearse something for for us is a really long time. To most people, it seems probably like nothing. Um, we rehearse something so long every day for a certain period of time, and then we finally get on stage. Uh, there's something magical about that. Um, the I guess the most special moment I can think of is when I did uh, Giselle. So the main uh, male character and that is Albrecht um, and uh, it was with my best friend Alyssa uh, she was a dancer in the company um, and I was just I don't know I, 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 I won't ever be able to forget that moment on stage like she I mean she's dead already in the story and she comes back as a as a spirit and uh, there's this yeah, the, the ending of the ballet was just uh, it was so emotional it was insane um, and uh, yeah, like I, I cried for a solid ten minutes after that show. You know, oh. bow and all. It was. Uh, it, it just. It's a lot of. It's an emotional thing. You know, like and it's. You, you just. Like, you part. You hot out on stage and. Um, I remember like the the review was like something like, you know, the dancing was so beautiful and the partnering was amazing. It seemed a little melodramatic at the end, and I just thinking like. I was crying on stage. Like <laughs> there was no mellow anything that was like a hundred percent real, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, no, whatever, that's fine. Um, but yeah, those moments uh, they mean a lot, and they stick with you. And a, a part of the problem with that though is that you're always searching for the next one. Um, so I, I think one of my biggest, uh, maybe it's not an issue, just um, traits is that I, I, I'm never quite satisfied. You know, I'm always looking for something more or better or um, yeah, I'm always on the search for something, uh, which is good and bad. Depends how you're looking at it, I guess. Um, but are those the moments that keep you coming back to ballet oh, yeah. and that keep you passionate about it? Every time you go on stage, you're like, "This is why I do it." You know, like the, all the sweat and tears and the pains and the injuries and the crazy hours that you put into it. You go on stage, you're like, "It's all worth it." Um, so yeah, it's. How do you cope then, because you're so invested in a role, role like that and the seasons are so busy, c going from one show to the next and, and going basically having that day in between the show ending and then starting rehearsing for the next show, how do you s turn yourself off from that previous role to get ready for the next one? You don't? Um, no, I, f I find I have to keep myself going until... Okay. At a certain point in every season, I have a little melt, like emotional meltdown. <laughs> Um, but I, I just keep myself busy and keep myself going and uh, on kind of onto the next thing. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's I, like it's hard for me to not keep myself busy. I, I don't really have downtime. Uh, it's a lot easier for me to just kind of keep myself occupied um, and invested in something. Uh, and yeah, so um, you know, we have a, like a, a little off season. Uh, so we get two months off and a lot of us will go travel and kind of have like this nice holiday and stuff like that. Um, I'm dancing kind of all throughout May still. 
but then I'll get June off and um, have a kick-ass birthday party beginning of June. And yeah, just, you know, take some time, just chill out, I guess. Um, but I don't know, it's like, it's a very fortunate thing to be paid to do something you love, right? So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's taxing emotionally and physically, but at the same time, it's a very fortunate situation, you know, like. Yeah, I just tell the way you speak about it. It seems very fulfilling yeah, in your life, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest downside to it is once it's done, uh, I think dancers struggle to find something to replace that. Um, so a lot of people, when they retire, um, as dancers, uh, they struggle mm -hmm. for a long time um, until they find something that uh, replaces, you know, dance or it fills it up in some capacity. You know, a well, lot of people. You were saying too, like you're, if you make it past thirty as a dancer, like that's like, a so. Good I guess thing. a lot of people are, are retiring around that age then as a dancer. So you still have your whole life ahead of you at that point. So it used to be a lot worse. Now these days, people are planning for that, mm -hmm. going to school on the side, and you know, um, I'm not I'm not the best person when it comes to school. I'm more of a just figure out how to do it and do it kind of thing. I'll work I'll work 14 hours a day before I have to go to a, a course. You know, like um, I'm just that's the way I am. I I sucked at school. I was good in in class, but I just bleh. anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of people are planning ahead and trying to get like degrees and kind of have a plan B set. Uh, I have a lot of ongoing kind of passions and stuff, uh, whether it's food or woodwork or um, just anything creative, really. Uh, so I, I, I'm not worried. I, I, like when I get to that point, I'm sure I'll figure it out. I, I always will figure it out, I think. Um, I've been blessed, I guess, to have all these side little stints on the way on my dance career. So I, I've, I've got a lot of experience in a lot of different things. People are always surprised when I say, yeah, I used to do that. They're like, yeah, you're lying. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I did it. I, I was, you know, I did that for a year or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. For sure. Um, I do think, though, it's, it's something that has to be at the back of your head, uh, at least. Because otherwise, if you, get, if you haven't thought about it at all and you get, you might have an injury that you don't get to choose when you finish. That's true. You know, like that happens a lot of the time, you know, whether it's a torn ACL or tell you something hey, you torn hit ACL, or, yeah. <laughs> so, you know nothing about that, right, Chase? <laughs> so that's a big one that takes a lot of dancers out. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't, you know. Yeah, very common um, knee injury for sure. But yeah, oh, well, in all facets of life, it can take you out. Football yeah. players are very common. Hockey players very common. Yeah. Sports um, just in general. Do you, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just going to ask then, like as a dancer then right now, that being your career, do you, do you see that just doing as, as in the foreseeable future, do you just see yourself doing that as long as you possibly can then? Yeah. If I, I don't like to put a, an age that I want to get to, but mm -hmm. any, you know, if I can get to 35-ish around that kind of time, I'd be happy with that. Um, but I'm going to dance as long as I can for as hard as I can and I'll see where it gets me and kind of just take it. Year by year, I guess. Um, there, there's someone in the company now that's 41. That's, yeah. that's very good. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's, there's been people that have danced longer than that. But, you know, I would say most people aim for like 33. And then they're like, okay, maybe it's time I mm -hmm. hung up the shoes, you know? Well, I always imagine dancing too. Like the first thing I think it was like, that's, that's going to be very hard on your feet, ankles, yep. calves over a long period of time. I think uh, 
feet is a big one for especially women because they're in the punches. Um, and then for guys, usually it's it's backs. Usually, backs, really? Yeah, yeah. There's um, it's the nature of all the lifting and all the jumping. It's just a lot of uh, if you're not lifting properly, your back just it just it takes toll. Sometimes. You know, so um, even though like the surprise injuries can be the uh, like the most sudden. It's the kind of ongoing chronic things that really are, are tough as well. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, you're like, I just can't take it. Um, so, you know, then that, that happens. It's, 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 a, it's a long kind of time for your body to be doing something of that capacity. So something's got to give. Well, exactly. You know? Well, it's, it's, it's anything. Doing the same yeah. repetitive motion is eventually going to take its toll on your body. Yeah. In some form or another. Yeah, we're lucky that we have, um, like, here we have a physio in-house. Um, but it's, it's hard because, like, for me, uh, I'm, I'm always rehearsing, which is great. It's a great thing. I'm not complaining about that. But um, the only time I have to go see the physio is really my lunch break. So, and 15 minutes is, like, it's a slot is 15 minutes, right? Oof. So it's not, not really time. enough time to fix something. You kind of no. just keep things at bay, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, a lot of the time, like, me, the reason I, I go to the gym so much and I take Pilates and, you know, whatever it might be, yoga, you name it, I'd probably do it, um, is I'm just trying to, like, condition my body to the, the best I can condition it to. And uh, hopefully that lets me have a longer career, you know, mm -hmm. and perform better as well. I think it's a very healthy way to look at it, for sure. Yeah. Right. There's something that really, it, it speaks to the athletic side of it. I think that... I don't know, not not knowing ballet and not knowing what you went through until you shared these stories. It's like there is something very much the life of an athlete is almost the exact same thing where yeah. it's trying to keep your nagging injuries at bay. And those are the things that are always in the back of your mind that you're always trying to take care of. There's the intense preparation of your body and your mind and your you know, even your soul into the yeah. things. Right. And you live for those moments when you're performing, whether it's on the field, on the stage, wh wherever your place is. And I think that that's something that's really cool. And I think that it's interesting that there's even the sense of the arts and the band, you know, when the band's on stage and they're playing, they can have those moments of just the singer hits a note and everybody's in rhythm and flow. I, and so I guess I see the sides of the picture to it that I previously haven't, but it's such a beautiful, like, it's it's interesting that there's something so similar, but then the struggles are also similar too. So it's uh it's a it's a complicated puzzle. Like I think in terms of any sort of and I would say physical pursuit in a certain sense, but that's why it seems that ballet goes beyond and even into the arts and the mental and the emotional. Obviously those are parts of sports, but I would say more so to the art side too. But there's just this holistic picture that comes into focus. And it's cool, all these things that you're able to accomplish with it. Uh, I did want to know who inspires you most, either in ballet or life. I honestly, I don't really, depends. I, like, I, I don't have anyone that I, like, I've been such a motivated person for so long that I just, I don't really seek inspiration. I do find, but uh, I don't know. I don't want to seem like a dick when I say that, but <laughs> I kind of did. <laughs> um, I, I find inspiration in things for sure, all the time. Whether it's uh, 
just meeting someone cool, you know, at the coffee shop that's into something creative, you know, like that's inspiring to me. Um, or whether it's just like someone being super generous, like that's inspiring as well. Uh, I I think for me, just because they're around me all my uh, all the time, my colleagues inspire me a lot. Uh, like the people I work with in the studio, they're they're pretty amazing. Like it's it's amazing to have that many people committed to a single thing. Um, I'm beyond committed. They're giving their lives to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I uh, I'm a big fan of. Um, Creating a really good like working relationship with your your peers, and uh, I really enjoy it. It's it's when you when you work with the right people, it's it's a special thing. Uh, um, that's what I miss about Vegas, to be honest. The most is that I worked with my best friends, uh, Alyssa and Josh. Like they, I don't know, we just we loved each other, man. Like it was it was a great great life, um, and we we like I think we get sick of each other, but, like we. Work together. We live together. Like I, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. But it, they're like my favorite people, you know. Um, and yeah, and and there's amazing people here too. Like there's a uh, there's some incredible pe people I get to work with at the ballet, and uh, it's uh, it's an honor to be able to share the stage with them, you know, and the in the studio space. Yeah. In terms of outside inspiration, I, I don't really know. It's very self-motivated. Yeah. yeah, like I guess when I I don't really because nothing really comes to Winnipeg um, in terms of dance. Uh, when I like let's say in Vegas was the same, um, but uh, in terms of like ballet and contemporary in New York, I used to like see a lot of shows, and that's really like when I see a show like that, I you just you just want to get up and dance, right? Like, um, but uh, the last thing that came here was. Uh, BGM was uh, ballet jazz in Montreal, um, but besides that, there hasn't really been anything to to watch in that kind of field. Um, there is uh, actually there's there's a couple of uh, there's a school of contemporary dancers. Um, they uh, they have some the projects and shows that run. Um, I've seen a couple of those, and I always get super inspired by that. Um, but yeah, you kind of just have to inspire yourself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. some something about your personality. You seem very open and intuitive to the adventure of life yeah. like i think mm -hmm. the way you go through it it's it's cool that you would be at uh, a place like 290 mcdermott and then you're right. talking to somebody and find the woodworker and go yeah. meet them go befriend them and then all of a sudden end up on this you know doing these different things in terms of apparently food is yeah. involved with yeah. it too or woodworking you even mentioned too so it's it's interesting how I, and I almost envy that in people. I find that I am similar in certain circumstances. I almost wish I had a little bit more of that openness. But it's it's sort of making, it's almost making the best of the situation at hand, but it's also just being open to the conversation that leads you somewhere or moving somewhere that allows you an opportunity. And I think it's being genuine to, like, where's your heart in that moment? That's something that I was reading earlier today too, is like, that's the life that's, there's sort of two paths. One you follow, and actually my favorite part of it is they both lead nowhere. <laughs> and it's, it's Don Juan and it's, uh, it's like Carlos Castenza. I can't even remember it's what the book's called. Um, and it's actually all about hallucinogens and some weird, weird shit, I'll say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the Don Juan figure, which I thought of as prior to that is like Don Juan being the one that picks up women for some reason, but it's this more spiritual leader 
And he says there are two paths, both lead to nowhere, but one is you follow your heart and you live this life that's full of passion and fulfillment. And, you know, that's the one that becomes worthwhile, right? And there are things that you're going to encounter on both, both paths. There are the, there's the other path, and it leads to bitterness and yeah. being upset with life, and it's, it becomes a curse, right? Like life becomes a curse living in that road. So it's being genuine and honest to where your heart is in that moment or, that, or wherever your passion lays. I think that's one of the key things that you can do in life. And so I guess that's, that's why I'm jealous because I think it's hmm. – I constantly – you know, I think I'm I'm very much a tweener in a certain sense. Like I I like a certain life of not comfort. I don't think that I strive for a life of comfort, but it's a life of I think I want the meaning, but I also want to have the experiences and things that I want in life and it's like where's the bridge to that, yeah. right? Um, and so I think with your path what I really respect is that you've followed something and you've known since the beginning of time but then it's like all these adventures that you have along the way seem to be a reflection of that, right? It's where your heart is, what you're into and passionate about. So that's, uh, I don't know, that's a cool thing that I picked yeah. up on. It's funny because uh, every now and then people are like, so maybe you should just stop dancing and do this. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> I kind of get offended actually because I'm like, you think I'm going to stop dance? I'm like, come on. Like, just because I have all these other things doesn't mean I don't love dance. I can't imagine my life without it. But I just think, why just solely be one thing? You know, like, all, I just, I don't know. I, I find that everything I learn outside of dance makes me a better artist, makes me a better person, and ends up having a better result, you know? So, and I think that that's a healthy view of it, too, because I think oftentimes people put that passion, and that is their whole life. Right. And so when you're talking about the end of career, whether it's an athlete or ballet dancer and not being able to find the next step, it's like, okay, if that was your whole life and you take that away, whether it is that injury. And I've almost found that, that the world has a, or universe or whatever, whatever power that be in, yeah. has a way of forcing you to confront those things. And I think that it's happened in my own life where I've become injured and been like, oh, my whole life was football. My whole life was this. And have to reflect and go, well, I need to become more of a holistic person. I need to pursue different things, go to school or what have you. But it's, and um, what, what is it? Uh, Stephen King even writes that his favorite thing was when he, like he suffered substance abuse and all sorts of things. But life became full when he put his desk to the side of the room, which really meant his life didn't revolve around writing anymore. It was his life contributed to the things that he wrote. Yeah. I didn't mean to spit at you there. That's fine. And <laughs> we need to hydrate a little bit. You guys saw it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's uh but yeah, it's interesting though, just these different paths. but it does seem to be most fulfilling when you you have that passion, but it is life that contributes to that passion. And it's but it is tough to find that balance. I think you yeah. almost there probably are times where you feel that you're over invested on one side or the other. And sometimes those life sometimes life calls and sometimes that passion calls and so it's i think as people we're just constantly trying to weigh things out do the best we can and balance those things but yeah. it's a hard it's a hard equation to crack though yeah. i don't think and it's and it's constantly in flux too yeah life is never going to be perfect it's just as good as it can be you know like it's i don't know i i 
I mean, you know, that conversation got my brain going all sorts of different directions. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to be too spacey. No, yeah. no, no, it's fine. I enjoy it. Um, it's okay. So, for example, I, 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 the big, the, I don't know, the, the thing I try to do the most is just surround myself with interesting people and uh, circumstances. Um, this morning, uh, I was out in Eli. There was two farmers at the table. Mike is a photographer. Well, he's actually an engineer, um, but he's a photographer as well. And then Brent, who's a woodworker, and me, I'm a dancer slash whatever the hell you want to call me. And we were just finding parallels in all of our fields, right? And it was just, it was one of those cool moments. I was like, this is so interesting and um, creative, you know? Like, it's just, it's different. It's not boring at all. Um, so it, it, I don't even know why I just started talking about that. But uh, I just think it's, it's it's really healthy to just keep yourself like as much as possible in the best kind of environment as you can, whether it's you know good company or not. Some I know like I've I've always been kind of a socialite kind of butterfly or whatever you want to call it. Um, some people aren't like that, and that's fine. That's totally okay. Um, but just put put yourself in a situation that you want to be in. I guess is the biggest biggest thing for me. But yeah. Yeah, to me, it's all about having those experiences. Yeah. Really, it's putting yourself in those situations that help you to grow as a person. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that's the thing that I hope for everyone. And you can see often people that, that don't get outside their comfort zone, right. that, that stay within their own personal bubble, and they, they think that what they're doing is what they should be, but it's not really true to who they are. And it is those people that... Eventually, I think sometimes you set off on that path and things can be okay for a while, but then you start to go, oh, I've invested so much and, you know, my life revolves around this, like, and then life becomes, they become bitter and it becomes a curse. And I think yeah. to me, it's, I've always been somebody who wants to be genuine and authentic. I think that that's one of my core values of others and myself, I think, and it's being self-critical. You have to stay on that path, but it's, it it becomes difficult at times because others want sometimes for you to be the, what they think, like, I don't know how to say that, what they expect you to be or what they want you to be or things like that. So I had somebody even reach out to me and say, you know, why did I buy the, the blue fanny pack? And it was like, well, because I, I like it and that's me. I'm this I'm, I'm that person. I'm sort of ridiculous at times. I enjoy doing those random things. And it's, it's that purchase that was just for joy. It wasn't expensive. It wasn't, it was like, this is goofy, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to wear it and I, I want it. So mm -hmm. why not? And so it's having that little bit of fun along the way. And so I think I try and defend that at times, like defend that part of yourself. And I think similarly, it's like, you got to defend you against the world sometimes and yeah. be like, but it's hard to find that sense of individuality and who you are. Like this world's so confusing, especially in the young ages. Yeah. I think of, I think of the times that I conformed to the group and the times that I was an outcast. But it's it's hard to. I think everybody seeks that that inclusion and that that uh, involvement in in people's lives. Do you think too. that's why? So like bringing this to the fanny pack situation. Do you think that's why <laughs> you become so uh, defensive? And that situation is because you want that person to be able to accept you? Well, and I think I, I, I like to think I artfully do it. It's not like yeah. I'm going to be like, fuck you for saying I have a fanny pack or like for calling me out on getting it. Oh, but, but it's more like artfully being like, 
Well, it, it, it spoke to me. I'm living that fa- The fanny pack life chose me was sort of my, I didn't choose the fanny pack life. The fanny pack life chose me was my rebuttal. And then it was, I got the blue one. And, and yet there was a pink one too. And they're like, I'm surprised you didn't get that one. I said, well, I did. <laughs> so it's, uh, but it's this constant, I don't know. We're always treading these waters and trying to find what's the best, best path forward. But I think it's, if you live too far to one side, it becomes isolating. You know, if you're too far outside the box, then you're living outside the box by yourself. But if you're too much ingrained in what everybody else is doing or the group is doing, then you get caught up in that. So again, it's this, how do you be true to yourself within doing those waters and treading those waters? We all find ourselves in in situations that we're defending ourselves against other persons, whatever it is, like the criticism, right? to some level, even though it really means nothing. Like to me, it's always been because I go to the gym and the first thing I do is take my shoes off to go to the back to, to before I go train, right? And what do people see on me is I wear colorful socks all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> uh, I've always done it and there's, I don't, I, it's just something I like doing and, and I will continue to do it. But I, many times I will get stopped and be like, oh, why are you wearing colorful socks? Why are your socks not matching? And I find myself defending it sometimes. I'm like, I don't really need to defend this, though. Like, it's I wear it because I want to wear it. And if you don't, if you don't agree with then with that, that's your opinion, and that opinion doesn't affect me. Yeah. So I, I just think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to defend ourselves, and, and maybe it, because it's we want to have a sense of belonging to that person, or want to always be accepted by everyone. But at some point, you're not going to always be accepted, right? So we got to just be like, hey, it, well, you have your opinion, I have mine, and let's go our separate ways. I think it's tough sometimes, too, because it's, yeah, like, being authentic. It, I want to bring something into this, too, is the fact that we all drink and we all go, I'm not going to say everybody does, but it's like we go to places to let go, <laughs> to let go of our inhibitions and our, and that, that self-consciousness that we typically have and then so that we can better ingrain and talk to people openly in things. And so I think that that's, again, that's sort of a shield, right, that people use is like, I think of music festivals and stuff and everybody's high on drugs and they're all like, I love everybody, but you only love everybody because of that state. Like, wouldn't it be much better to try and achieve that state in a natural sense or just follow those things just... I, I'll again say naturally. I don't. I don't do drugs, so I can't speak to that. But I used to drink a lot more, and I. I am an introvert, so like it. Drinking helped me, kind of open up more publicly, or to be more social with people in social situations. Um, but I've never liked it. I always hated the fact that I relied on that on me be getting to a drunk state <laughs> in order to, to open up myself. And I drink a lot less now, and I think. I feel better because of it because I've always wanted to find a way to be more socially open in social situations. So I've always tried to put myself in situations where I feel awkward and uncomfortable. And and parts of that was working for Rogers and, and working cell phones and just dealing with people a lot and even personal training. And part of me going in personal training is just, well, I have to work one-on-one with people every single day and I have to talk to new people every day to try to get them to work out. So those are always very uncomfortable situations for me, even today. Um, but I also, whenever I, I'm done with that interaction, I look back on it and I'm so happy that I did it 
because it makes me feel more open in my own way without having to rely on anything except myself. And I feel like more people need to be able to find that their own way of dealing with that and doing that and not rely on things like drugs or alcohol because those things are one short lived. They're very bad for your health. Um, I'm not saying you can't do those things every now and then, but the people who are the weekend warriors who'd have to do it every single weekend, right? And just be able to, if you want to, to be that person, then do it without having to rely on the substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's again, it's a tough line. To, yeah. And, uh, but it, the biggest thing is that sometimes you find those experiences like it can be um, it can be a rewarding thing. Like when you're celebrating or you're together or you're it sure. can create that yeah. cohesion. But then there's also the sense of like, yeah, the party goers that do it every night. It's like then those relationships then are built on nothing. So it's like it can be sort of a, a an addition to a good time or it can be eventually a detriment to your life is sort of centered around this thing that, again, is the nothingness isn't isn't really worth it. I know this is a random thing. No, I'm sorry. It has we nothing to off. do with you or ballet or it's food. It's okay. I've been talking a lot, so it's good to just listen. <laughs> I enjoy listening. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so how like I want to get into the food and the foodie and yeah, sure. and the things yeah. that you're you're passionate about in that sense. So how did this project come about? Are you allowed to talk about it yet? I don't uh, want to. Uh, it's, yeah, sure. I'm, like it's uh, it's just a collaboration between a couple people, and um, we're not really sure what it's going to be yet. Um, but it's just about food, and that's awesome. <laughs> so um, I, my dad was a, as well as a dancer. He was a chef as well. Um, so growing up, I was very spoiled uh, when it came to food, and um, I guess when I moved to New York, I started cooking a lot more. Uh, and then from that point on, I kind of had like second jobs or third jobs in the food industry. And it was just always, a, it was a, you know, just a good way to take your mind off things for me. And I enjoy everything about it. I enjoy the process of it, the prep for it, and then the result. Uh, so yeah, I love food and everything about it. Uh, when I got to Winnipeg, I, I worked at Miss Brown's for a little bit, uh, and then I worked at Tom Bargain for a little bit as a baker. And then I worked at Langside uh, Grocery, first as a server and then as a cook. <laughs> so, yeah, like in Vegas, I worked as a pizza boy. Um, wow. That was crazy. Uh, I, there was one summer where I was, my God, uh, I was working like 14 hours, eight, day, eight days a week. Um, and it was just insane. It was crazy. I mean, I did the, the pizza, I did the cashier, I did the delivery driving, like all at the same time. It was just, it was a lot. But, you know, that's, I, I wasn't making that much money then, so I had to supplement during the summer. Um, uh, but, yeah, so uh, one day I would love to, like, open up um, some sort of food establishment, whether it be, like, a cafe or a restaurant or um, even if it's just, like, pop-up dinners. That'd be really cool too. Cool thing about pop-ups, so like, you can, you know, still get into the food industry without having to invest too much. Like, you don't go, you don't open a restaurant for the money. You know, like, it's not going to be financially viable ever. Maybe, <laughs> hopefully, you do well, but you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
I don't know. I just, it's going to be one of those things where it stays with me my whole life. And I love entertaining people and like having people over and cooking for people and educating people on food as well. I think uh, food threatens people for some reason. Like, not everyone, but like sometimes just the idea of food like freaks people out. They're like, no, I, there's no way I can do that. I just, I say it's not that hard. Like, it, it's just, it's just tips. It's all just like tidbits of information and then. At some point, you have to try it, and then all of a sudden, you're comfortable. You know, like there's a so, I don't know, food is just this, it's a, a black hole of information, right? Like, there's so much to to talk about in terms of food, and um, but at the end of the day, you you, you need to, food to survive. So, mm-hmm. I think it's a really important thing, and yeah, I think it's funny. A lot of people find it really intimidating to yeah. cook. Or to approach meal making and maybe stick to their mac and cheese for their entire early adulthood until they're maybe forced, either when they have kids or what have you, to learn how to cook. And some people never do. I think that's the unfortunate turn of our world is it's really accessible to get fast food or get skip the dishes or get pre-made things and or like put it in the microwave food that was the '90s way to raise your kids at least. But and like I get it, like it, it. it's a, a market built on convenience, mm-hmm. right? Like, I totally get that it, there's an easier way out. Um, and people always make fun of me because they're like, oh, I, we don't want to be a food snob like you. I'm like, I'm not a food snob. Like, I just think that you should invest a little time in food. That's it, you know? Like, I, I trust me, I, if I don't have time, I'll go get food out. You know, like, I just don't go to the places you probably go to, which is fine. You know, that's a choice I make. Um, and I'm allowed to make that choice. But, uh, you know, like I just think uh, might as well enrich your life in, in more ways than one. And food is such a, like amazing way to do it. Um, so, and then, you know, there's culture aspects of it. Like I, I, it's, there's so many different cultures where food is like integ- integral to everything. Like it's just crazy. Um, like in the flamenco world, food is part of it. Like, uh, just like having people together, food is a thing, you know. Like, um, it's just it's just a way to bring people together. Uh, so, and then it's like that for many cultures. But, um, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just crazy because I just I think about food all the time, like every single part of the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Do you have a food philosophy then in in your cooking or what you create with it? Yeah, I just try to like. Do like local ingredients and um, basically just, I, I mean, I, I spend a lot of money on good quality stuff. Um, and, you know, that's not something I expect everyone to do. Uh, but I, I see the result, um, you know, in the food itself that I cook. And then as me as a, a better human, um, I, f- I find myself when I eat good food, I'm, I'm a lot happier. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I just try to buy good local ingredients and, you know, no crap. Try to limit the crap as much as possible. Um, and that's another thing. Like, I don't expect people to buy, like, organic everything or anything like that. Like that. I just I, I try to, like, tell people, like, you know, like, this X chemical does this, you know. Like, maybe next time you buy something off the shelf, just have a look at the ingredients. You know, try and buy something with less... Shit, that's gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you not know, gonna like, kill you in the end. Yeah, but, no, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. like mm-hmm. it just in the long run, maybe that's something you should just think about. And if you don't want to, that's okay. I just 
I, I feel obligated to at least try and tell people that. Yeah, I think my shift with food, it's funny because I'm not even sure when I started to shift into being more passionate about food. Right. I've always worked in the restaurant, you know, in the service industry and yeah. worked in restaurants and and typically as a bartender. So right. I'm not directly involved with the food. But I think food's always been integral to my life as well. But I was used to meal prepping and just chicken, rice, veggies right. and bland and no flavor or anything. But I find I'm a creature of habit. So if I can eat healthy, then I'm going to continue to eat healthy. And so that was a way to stay regimented. And so I'd have trainers or whoever give me a diet plan to follow. But then the problem with that is it becomes so mundane and routine. And so now training for Spartan races, it's more of a, it's, I want to eat healthy because I certainly know what happens when I get off that train and I gain, I've been as heavy as 220 pounds, which I never want to be again. And then I've also been as skinny as 185. So it's like this window is huge. Yeah. But I think for me as my philosophy now, which I shared with you on the way in, was paleo and pizza. Yeah. But it's, it's trying to eat natural, healthy foods. But I also don't sacrifice flavor. I think that's the thing that I, that's really I don't come about. I think you about. have to. No. I, I think that's a common misconception when it, it comes is. to yeah. Healthy food. Sorry, Even, continue. Yeah, continue. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> I just let it happen. Yeah. Um, but no, I think the biggest evolution to my cooking has been that that meal lime app because it has a bunch of recipes that are super simple to make. But then it's also um, spices. Just finding different spice combinations that work and. I like to balance out plates, so I would even say it's a little bit of an Eastern philosophy on cooking. I'm not sure the exact kind. Maybe some, it's an Asian country. I can't remember which one, <laughs> Japanese. But like balancing out the different aspects of it. And typically I like to have three things represented. So either spicy, sweet, and salty or fresh. And I always find because it's nice to just your palate gets a little bit more of an experience if you have different things represented. Yeah, totally. So... It's a little bit of a mix. So it's healthy and then flavor. Those are the two things that I try to put on a plate. But then also there's the once a week where I don't want to cook. I don't want to really deal with things. Mind you, I've made a lot of homemade pizza lately, so that's really nice too. My my partner, significant other, brings – she makes the dough and then I make the – put on the toppings. So there's some kind of art to that too, I think. But uh, it's fun. Like I find food can be so – it's it's it is a creative endeavor yeah. and it's like and you get to enjoy it at like the end product you get to enjoy and so it's the care and the love that you put into it is what you take out of it too yeah i mean you, you sit down at least three times a day hopefully uh to to eat food you know like it's it's an important part of life because you're doing it every single day um so i think it's it's good to just put a little little value into it mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's funny because uh, I, I, the thing I like about food the most or educating people about food the most is like there's such simple ways to like drastically improve your food experience in the kitchen that are so simple, whether it's just like seasoning your food with salt and pepper. Like a lot of people don't, don't do that, you know, like they wouldn't think to put pepper on the chicken breast or whatever you know like and maybe that sounds really dumb but it's a thing you know like (laughs) uh, there's there's really easy ways to just make food taste better um so i i don't know hopefully one day i can 
just help people make it more relatable. You know, that'd be nice, like just to be able to teach people like simple ways to just make food more enjoyable, you know, uh, without having it to be this extravagant thing. It doesn't you know? need to be difficult. A yeah. uh, good example is I, I recently switched to, I don't know if it was you or maybe my friend Dario who, who, made, who made me try it, but I'd never even heard of it before, the pink Himalayan salt. And I, so I switched from just regular table salt to that. Yeah, and I, I started putting on everything because I love it. Like it, it just adds that little extra to everything. And it's not like overly, it doesn't make everything overly salty or overly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But anyways, it's like, it just, it tastes good. Like it just adds, a, and it, it t- like even in the morning, just as simple as putting it on eggs that I cooked, it just makes it that much more better because I eat eggs every day and they do get bland after a while. Oh, yeah. I can't take full credit over that. So my go-to in the mornings now and what's made me drink so much more water, which is my worst habit. I drink a lot of coffee. You can see even on the table that the water's untouched and the coffee's there. You should see me like at the, in the ballet class, I have like on a, any given day, like full thing of coffee, a full thing of water. And then sometimes like a smoothie or like a coconut water drink. (laughs) People are just like, what is your deal? (laughs) But the one thing with the Himalayan salt was the uh, Aubrey Marcus in his book has the the morning shake or whatever it was, and it's the lemon with the Himalayan salt in the water. And so I'll do a big jug of that in the morning, and I carry it with me everywhere so that I always have my water in hand because that is my worst habit. I can say honestly that I drink too much caffeine, not enough water, so... So how much, how much do you put in your water then for the salt? Well, I would say it's probably a gallon of water that I like that I carry around, and so I I do the thing about ten times, but it's probably less than I mean it's a couple tablespoons of salt, which is probably not recommended. You should probably do a little bit less for your morning <laughs> morning drink, but uh, then with the lemon, I find it just balances things out, and it, you get that little bit of sweetness. But it's also got a lot of um, really healthy properties in there too. So that's my go-to. I try that out. Yeah. Um, yes. Where, where are we going with that? I don't, I don't know. know. That's <laughs> fine. It's uh, totally okay. Food. Food's good. Yeah, food is good. I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry too. What am I going to have for dinner? Probably pizza. <laughs> I'm having curry. Let's, chicken well, curry. Chicken curry? Ooh, nice. Oh, I, I did want to So what's, what's your go-to meal or what's like the signature Stefan Azule meal? Your your name's fun to say. That's why I'm not I like it. I like because it, it it seems like one of those names you'd see on like uh, on a package of uh, I don't know a dinner package or something. Yeah. I have three middle names, so it's it's a mouthful. <laughs> um, oh man, I, that's the thing is I like to just do different stuff all the time. Um, but I would say if, if I'm gonna have someone over and I want to impress them, probably risotto, like a mushroom risotto or something like that, or just like some handmade pasta. With the pesto. Oh, handmade pasta. Handmade yeah. pasta. I'm it. big into like handmade pizza dough and like handmade pasta. Those are my two like. I try to do everything from scratch. So it's very fancy when you do something that's like extravagant like that. And people are like, well, you know how to do that? I'm like, eh, <laughs> tastes really good too. You know, so um, yeah, that, that's probably my go tos if I'm trying to impress someone. But yeah, I've got so many different meals that I've made over the years that I, I don't really have like a one thing. At any given time that I'm making, you know, I just kind of make something and then move on to the next thing, and that's kind of it. Yeah. I have two. Well, other than the pizza, (laughs) (laughs) there is a signature Riley pizza, but I don't know if I should give away all my secrets. Um, But uh, 
one of my dishes. It's the coconut chicken curry with sweet potato in it. Nice. And it's like, it's kind of a soup, kind of a curry. But that's one of my favorite recent dishes that I've learned how to make. Nice. Um, yes, but I'm jealous of the handmade pasta yeah, and pizza dough. So you bring the Australians and the pizza dough. I'll make the pizza. Right. And then life will be perfect. Riley special. The, the, the Riley special. I, I think it should be on a menu somewhere. So when you open that cafe slash maybe there's pizzeria, a pizza night, a pizzeria. Slash, yeah. <laughs> who knows what it'll actually end up yeah, being. Yeah, that's, that's the question. I might be willing to share the secret recipe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is there any hope for me as a dancer? <laughs> With my thick legs and and uh, heavy uh, upper body and graceful being low on my list of attributes, I wrote uh, that down for myself too. So I, didn't <laughs> I remind myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, so here's the thing: like anyone can dance, and I recommend that everyone, even if they think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world, goes takes uh, goes and takes a dance dance class somewhere. You know, like it's it's on so many levels, it can be such a rewarding thing, whether it's just like because you had fun or. Um, you know, like it, it's a, it could be just be a workout. You know, like it's it's one of those things. Like a lot of people just play sports to work out. You can dance to work out, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can just go take a fun hip hop class and burn some calories. You know, if that's what you want it to be. Uh, or if you want to like try something more creative, you can do a contemporary class. Um, ballet is one of those things where it's very difficult to start because it's just it's a lot. It's it's one of those things. But they they do adult classes at the ballet. And, um, you know, like it's, it's a great way to get into it, you know, like to kind of build an appreciation uh, for it. I always say, like, don't knock something down until you've tried it. You know, like it's once you like invest in something just a little bit, then you gain so much more appreciation for it. So I, I recommend everyone should go dance. You know, it's, what would you say to somebody wanting to get involved in dance? Uh, I mean, it depends what kind of dance style they want to get into, if if they even know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, it's, I mean, there's a lot of factors in that question, really, for me. Uh, depends how old they are. Depends um, what they want to do and why they want to do it. Uh, if if it's something like, if, let's say, if a, a young kid says, "I want to be a ballerina," I go, "Okay, well, let's look up some some ballet schools in your area. Uh, I can suggest this, this, and this, and you know, see how it goes." Like. It it's never good to just like put all your eggs in one basket. I think because like especially with kids, you don't know if they're going to be interested in it a year later. Um, so if you if they can come up with the interest to do it themselves, that's the best uh, because then you know they're going to want to commit to it. At the same time, though, like I, there's a lot of kids that like their parents make them do dance, and um, you can just tell that kids just don't want to do it. You know, like. Um, you know, their interest is elsewhere. So I don't think you should force, like, dance on people. Um, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. But, um, yeah, like, I think it's, it's a really valuable thing. And even though it's, like, if, if you want your kid to be rich, then don't put them in dance. But <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those things, like, we joke, we say, like, if you can do ballet, you can do anything. Uh, like, it, it, there's so many life lessons within ballet um, and dance, for that matter, that, it it's it's so valuable. It's it's really priceless, right? Like it's it's a, a really special thing. So yeah, I guess that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Are there any books or people that have influenced you on your path? Books, probably not books. I'm not really much of a reader. If it's the one fault I have is that I don't read. Something about it just I, I don't have interest in it. 
I think that's okay. Like, I think for me, what I like about it is that there's so much knowledge and it's everybody who's existed, who's written something down. I can almost have a conversation in a way with Marcus Aurelius, a Roman, you know, uh, I guess he was a, no, not dictator. What was the name of the Caesar? Oh, boy. Emperor. I just couldn't think of emperor. But it's almost you can learn from his knowledge base and then the other people that have maybe done something similar to you. But it's almost if you have other ways of getting that information or if you learn from ballets that have happened or anything, right? Like I think there's a lot of ways to find that knowledge. And so whatever works for you is what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find a lot of like, I guess, inspiration in... uh, um, honestly, just friends. Uh, there's a couple like teachers and uh, like artists out there that are inspiring, but I think the most inspiration I've gotten is just from my friends and my peers and just people I know um, that impress me. And uh, my my parents were super inspirational, but at the same time, I never relied on my parents for too much. Um, I mean, I moved away at 16, so, <laughs> like, you know, and that's fine. They're still super supportive, and they were great parents. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think, honestly, just cool people that you meet. Is, that's the, the biggest one for me. Is there, is there sort of, like, a one-upsmanship? In, I'm almost thinking of dance, and even in Spartan for me, is the, the peer group of people doing similar things push you to want to be better because you see what they can do, what they can accomplish. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to surround yourself with, with talent, right? Like, I, well, I guess talent, but, you know, like motivated people and skilled um, individuals. And like in a ballet company, that's what you're going to get. Um, so uh, not that you, you're comparing yourself to others, but, you know, like you're, you're pushing towards something great, right? And I think having people in the room that are sharing that, Aspiration is a great thing. I think it's 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 amazing that you can you can share that, right? And you're not trying to step on anyone's toes to to ruin their career or anything like that. But you know, like you're just uh, you're just trying to work towards this this great thing, and yeah, why not you know share it with other people? That's a great thing to just be within the social group. But it's um, I would say it's very in the moment where yeah. you're you're considering what other people are doing, and it's sort of Whereas books can be this thing of like these people that exist so far out of your circle, it's right. almost like you're motivating each other and inspiring each other on a day-to-day basis, which makes a lot of sense if you're practicing side by side with people and or whatever you're doing, even if it's cooking or yeah. taking photographs or yeah. what have you. It's you can draw that inspiration, and sometimes those are the things that hit home the most. Or like I went climbing, as you can see by my hands being a little bit torn up earlier today, but you realize that there's levels of the skill, and I've been doing it for about three months. The first time, I was mostly playing around. Then you get a little bit more competitive and want to be able to do things, but then you see the guys that have been doing it for 10 years that can grab the smallest little holds with their pinky and like things that you wouldn't even fathom, and they're able to do that. So that in itself, sometimes it can be daunting to see people at that level. uh, You know, like it can... Not be depressing, but like it can, it can steer you away sometimes. Um, but I think it it can be really inspiring too. Like, yeah. Well, it's I think it goes back to Andy's quote where it's if you want to go 
fast, go alone. If you mm-hmm. want to go far, go together. Yeah. And so it is drawing on those people close to you. You can just you can make it that much further, and that's what keeps you going back and and keeps the enjoyment in it too. Um, so what has been the most difficult thing to overcome in your life and how did you overcome it? Oh, I don't know. I've had a very good life, really. Uh, I guess just financial stuff, honestly. Just like, I mean, there's not much money in the arts, so you're never going to make that much money as a dancer. So that's probably the biggest issue I've had in my life. And really the only w- way you can solve that is work more. So <laughs> <laughs> hence all the side jobs. Well, um, it, it seems crazy to me to withstand doing a full, like working towards ballet, working at a pizza place and 14-hour days, yeah. as you said, eight days a week. and just Sorry, did I say eight days a week? You did meant, say eight days. I meant seven. You invented a day. I meant seven. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Sorry. Saturday, uh, Sunday, fun day. I, I yeah. don't know. I, yeah. Anyway, I felt like eight days a week, tell you that. <laughs> yeah. But how do you still stay, you know, positive and engaged and passionate about things, even if you're dealing with something such as exhaustion that might come from that too? It's funny because I've never really thought about these things, to be honest. No? Just, you just do it. Uh, I, I, that's such a lame answer. <laughs> <laughs> Nike. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I don't know. I, I, I guess I've just been fortunate enough to have dance my entire life and like be like quite successful in it. And that in itself is enough for me to just, even when shit's rough, like on a day-to-day basis, I just, you just push through it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think actually, you know what, back up to the other question, I think, now think about it, uh, one of the hardest things for me sometimes is just um, because I've bounced around um, quite a bit and I'm like always thinking about dance and pushing myself is like sometimes you get a bit like I get a bit lonely, I guess, like because it, even though I have amazing friends and amazing sport group, like I'm so focused on this one thing that I sometimes feel like I'm in my own world, um, which, yeah, it's, it's not that really that big of an issue. But uh, it, it's just interesting because sometimes, like, you'll just go home after a crazy week or a crazy year or a crazy month and just think, holy crap, like, that was intense. And you don't really have anyone to share it with, right? Like, um, but, yeah, I guess that's, like, kind of it, really. Uh, and I... I just, I don't know, I, I just feel like I, I would never even get myself to a point where I would think I'm, I don't really feel like I'm in this anymore. Like, it's, it, I think I was just really born to dance, to be honest. Like, it's just, it's one of those things, like, it's always been a thing in my life. I've always had a good time with it. I'm always doing it extra. Like, anytime you see me out, I'm dancing. I don't need to be. I tell you that. I'm not getting paid to dance at whatever bar or place, you know, but I just do it because I have fun. Um... And I think it's just, it's great. A lot of ballet dancers are uh, not so good when it comes to like dancing in public. Like it's not really a thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, we're, we're trained and perform in this controlled environment. Like it's not really a, it's not like we're club dancers, you know. Um, but I, I literally have my own gif of, or gif or whatever you call it, um, of me dancing at a wedding. It's fantastic. So I just like every time something ridiculous comes up, I just send that out. 
Um, but uh, yeah, like I just, I love to dance all the time, like all hours of the day, even when I'm, you know, at home by myself in my apartment uh, and I put a fun tune on, like I just start dancing. So yeah, that's, that's all I really got on that one. <laughs> I love that resoluteness and the, that sureness of how much you love what you do and, and things too. But that's great that you, I think that you do have a great balance in terms of the the passion and then you do have your friend group and the people that you that you reach out to and have those experiences yeah. with but i do understand that loneliness too it's like it is tough to find that like who understands what i'm going through but i think that's what's got to be so bonding about the people that you perform with and yeah. are with on a day-to-day -day basis because you're going through that together so that that even makes sense in terms of how you're so close to the people in las vegas and things too is you just have that sense of community and they understand you yeah. and i think that that happens in almost all facets and all career paths and all passions it's just you surround yourself with those people that do understand and that have had those similar experiences too um did you i thought you had no no um covering all bases here <laughs> do you ever see yourself staying in a place for long and like settling down and enjoying you know riding off into the sunset <laughs> That's um, a lot of things. So just, no, just I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you can settle down and then also ride off into the sunset. True, but in a, in a about home, just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just, <Avi. laughs> just a sense of comfort, I yeah. guess. As well. Um, no, uh, I. The reason I move around a lot is basically if I if I feel like I'm not growing enough in any given place, then I disattach myself from that place and I go somewhere else. That's basically it. Like I. Feels like it's not doing enough, then I find somewhere else to go. Um, I guess eventually I'll. I'll I don't know. I, just, I don't know. I, I I don't really have a plan to sell down anywhere. Um, my mom's always like, "When are you coming back to Australia? When are you coming back?" I'm like, oh, I don't really know if I will. Um, you know, like right now, I'm just in my, you know, kind of prime time of my career, really. So all I can really think about is that. To be honest, I feel like I, if I think about like, oh, where am I going to buy a house, you know, and retire? That's not really doing justice to my career. Not that, I, you know, you should think about that stuff, I guess. Um, like, we have, like, a retirement savings plan at the ballet, so that's the way I think about it. <laughs> Just putting money aside. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any place that I think I will settle down. I do have, like, this idea of, like, the lifestyle I want to live, like, like, have a, like, somewhat self-sustainable house like maybe with like a little garden and uh like solar panels and you know like something neat like that but yeah i don't know i'm a very like uncommitted person when it comes to like end game like life goals i guess it's kind of it's fair to think that those things will come in time yeah and you're yeah. following what you feel that you should and what you're passionate about right now. So yeah. why why do you have to have that picture fully in view? Yeah. It's sort of this ever-evolving thing. Right? Yeah, I think maybe, like, I thought about it a bit more when, like, that person I dated for a long time, like, you know, when you're in a relationship for that long, you do think about those things. Um, but, yeah, like, right now, there's no one like that for me, so I, I just can't really imagine it with anyone. And I don't imagine it by myself, so I just don't imagine it at all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, right now I just kind of, that's not even on the radar for me. I just kind of just think about 
my career here and things I can do to make it better and kind of just, you know, long-term goals in terms of, of dance and uh, that's really it, to be honest. Is, kind of enjoy it as it comes. Do you have a goal in mind for your career or some place that you think that, will there ever be a time that you feel that you've made it within no. your ballet career? No, there will never be a time where I think I'll made it. Uh, I, I, well, I can't guarantee that, but I'm pretty sure that there will always be some point in my life where I think there's something more I can do. Like that's just kind of the nature of artists in general, um, but just me as a person as well. Uh, I think for me, like we'll see how it goes. Right now, I, uh, I've, I've been enjoying Rowanpeg a lot. Um, it's a great company and I, I've been doing pretty well. So uh, I'm excited for the, the seasons to come. I, I hope that you know, the company can continue to grow and do a bit better financially and that'd be a really wonderful thing to be part of. And um, I really just want the company to grow as much as possible. So I'm going to do everything I can to help that. And, uh, you know, one day I would love to, like, start my own company somewhere after my career is done, if it's possible. And if it's not, that's fine because money is impossible when it comes to starting companies. But uh, just to be on the creative side of things, that'd be cool too. So, um, but right now I, I feel like even if that's the long-term goal, the, the best way I can improve that is to be the best dancer I can be. So um, my, my entire focus is really just as on, on me as an artist and as a dancer um, and just being the best I can be. So kind of a cliche answer, I really guess so, but it works. <laughs> I like that you I had director you. pose yeah. going yeah. on. <laughs> you were just ready. It seemed like you were ready to just direct somebody and tell yeah. them what they were doing, what they could do better, maybe <laughs> is the way that... Or just go off on them. Um, so what does it feel like performing on stage and what keeps you motivated to keep working at your craft? Hmm. Stage, uh, I guess stage time and stage experience is kind of a hard thing to describe in words, to be honest. It's, it's like, a, it's a really special thing. Uh, especially, when, like, let's say, like any ballet, for example, to, to be there for the creative process, and to then have this like final um, like image or um, thing, I guess, at the end of it with the orchestra and with all the people backstage and the costumes and the lights and the like a full house. Like it's I don't know. It's it's the kind of shit we live for. So um, it's it's truly a magical experience. Um, that being said, you know, like some productions are better than others. Uh, so, like right now, we're doing Wizard of Oz, which is a collaboration between us and two other ballet companies, Colorado Ballet and Kansas City Ballet. And uh, for a lot of the creation process, the, um, the person who choreographed it, Septine Weber, came here, and it's it's cool to be something, uh, be part of something like that from the beginning. You know, so to be part of the creative process is really cool um, because then it's it's you. You know, like a lot of classical ballets have been around for a long, 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 long time. Um, really hard to do new productions because money. Um, and it's, just, it's a lot of moving parts. And then, you know, to have it all come together successfully is, is difficult. So, you know, new productions are tough, but creations that work are like some of the most amazing experiences of your life because like you're so invested, it's, you're part of it from the beginning. Um, and when you finally get to stage and it goes well, I mean, that, that, 
that is just the most amazing freaking feeling like ever uh and it's like such a treat like it's it's just amazing um so i'm super like this last week was intense but uh we had so much fun in the studio and um it just made me like that much more excited for for the shows and i'm so excited to like continue working on it and have it grow you know because it like that's the thing whenever you do a character like this like it grows as a character and the production grows and um it just it eventually becomes into something that's really like really incredible so i'm super excited for that part of it and um stage time is just my favorite i mean it's just it's amazing uh so yeah that culmination of just nerves excitement and oh, yeah. preparation and i mean nerves are real yeah. like that the that shit fucks people up. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like just sometimes there's so much pressure that goes into it that, you know, like you just have you learn to deal with it and you learn to like figure it out. But um uh if you're not nervous, there's probably a, an issue. <laughs> so yeah. it's funny. Or you're a robot. Yeah. But yeah. Well you don't just you just don't care, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I, Even something with this podcast, I always feel that the best ones there's gotta be that little tinge of nervousness. Oh, I, be- look at the sweat. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. Oh man, you're worse than uh, me. Yeah. Mine's That's first. There is a little bit underneath <laughs> there. But uh yeah, it's it's always I think there's just that feeling of and especially when it's somebody new, sometimes when it's comfortable or somebody in the close group of friends or whatever it is or just the close circle you're just you know what to expect yeah but then with people such as yourself that we've never met before it's it can be like well I don't know what they're going to expect of me and how I'm going to project and we want to make that person comfortable so it's just this it's just not knowing that process until you get there right and wanting to get the person comfortable enough to be open to sharing their story and sometimes the trials and tribulations they've been through is is like it's um it can be a nerve-wracking process yeah. but then i think the thing that bonds us to the the people like oftentimes that person's just as nervous so it's yeah. how do we make that how do we make that work and then but that's like that's part of the science that we've started to see into behind podcasting but i think all things worth doing you're going to have those little bit of nerves behind yeah. it or anything that you've invested yourself in and is coming to fruition, I think you're going to be nervous about. It's just, I think that that's what people live for. And that's that's sort of how you know you're on the right path, too. If you didn't feel those nerves, you're either crazy or or you're just not invested enough. Right. Yeah, I mean, not that it should be uncomfortable, but, like, you know, like, it, it, it should... Like, get your... Not blood boiling, but, you know, like, like, if it's... Yeah, it just, it means that it means something, right? So... I think it's a great thing. Nerves are fantastic, mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't affect you in the wrong way. But, but like in ballet, like that can be a huge issue is anxiety and um, people freak out. And then when you freak out on stage, it just gets worse. You know, especially when you're partnering and stuff. Like it's it, the the worst thing is when you know like one of the partners freaks out and then affects the other person. You know, like it's 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 really unfortunate. But yeah, it's something that we deal with and. Um, you have to learn to control, and everyone has different ways to do it. But yeah, confidence, nerves, and fear. Mm-hmm. But they are motivating factors. Totally. Yeah. Um, the last question I wanted to ask is: if you could share one piece of advice to somebody wanting to follow their passion in life, what would you say to them? Hmm. 
I'd like to see you processing this. I just <laughs> once I say something, it's 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 out. So I just wanna, <laughs> that's it. I want to no going back. Yeah, I want to just you can edit the the pause out. <laughs> I like the um, pause. It's very dramatic. <laughs> it's the consideration behind it. I just think uh, just don't have regrets is my biggest thing. Like just commit to it, whether it's wrong or right, whether it was for, for better or for worse, just like, just, I guess, commit and see where it goes. Um, you know, like, I think something that I do too much, honestly, is think. But like when it's in the, in the studio, it's fine. But like, I think way too much about stuff on a daily basis. And I think it just takes you away from uh, just doing something. I, I, Mike, you better send me a check. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah like, just, just commit and don't regret it. Like, whatever the choice is, you know, just make some choices and, and stick with it. I think that's the biggest thing. If you're trying to pursue something, it's all about the journey anyway. So, you know, at the result, what was the, th the quote? There's... It leads to nowhere, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, there's two paths; they both lead to nowhere. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah just I think, uh, yeah, be in the moment and commit is the biggest thing I I, sh I I would say to anyone, really. Yeah. Perfect. I like that. Yeah. It's I think simple. It's very similar to my own mindset too. Is just like sometimes. And I'm, I'm the same way as I get caught up in my own mind. And I think sometimes that's the hardest thing. And also I come up with so many ideas, but yeah. it's, it's, it really is having that conversation or really being introspective and going, okay, what's the path? Let's go down there and commit to it. And just whatever comes, like be open to those experiences, be open to meeting that person upstairs. Yeah. You never know, you never know those little turns that are going to, take you to that spot that you were supposed to be in all along. And I think people get caught up in that. And I'm, I'm guilty of that, of just letting that become crippling or paralyzing and overthinking things. It's, it's almost the fact that even a step in the wrong direction, if you have this, it doesn't even have to be a set outcome, or even if it is, that can shift and evolve and change. It's like, just go do, commit to it. If you feel strongly enough about it, if you're passionate about it, if your heart tells you to go there, I mean, there's so many different factors, but I think oftentimes we just don't have that conversation with ourselves yeah. or we get caught up in the, well, life is telling me all these, yeah. the, all the stresses of life and all these things are telling me, you know, why I shouldn't do this. And you come up with excuses, but just being true to that and going towards it. I think there's, that's where you find your purpose and your true power. Yeah. I think for me, if, if there's good intention behind it, I support it hundred percent. You know, like no matter what, no matter whether it's someone following a passion or just every decision that you make as a human, like if, if it has good intentions, I support it, you know, like, and if, if it was a, a mistake or it was something wrong, then yeah, we can deal with that. But as long as you're not, you know, intending to do something shady or shitty, then I'm all about it, you know? So yeah, I just think don't look back and you can always adjust your course, you know, it's fine. Yeah live life to the fullest, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Start where you are now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So to conclude, where can we keep up with the adventures of Stefan Azule? Yeah. And Do you know the, my full name? 
I do want to get yeah. the other three names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe off podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But uh, And the Royal Winnipeg Ballet and the upcoming Wizard of Oz. Yeah, so Wizard of Oz is the last thing in our season, uh, which runs until, and uh, sorry, May 5th. So um, we'll have two weeks, sorry, two months off. Uh, and then the first thing we'll do next season is Ballet in the Park. Um, but you can check out the ballet uh, at rwb.org. Uh, or follow me on Instagram, or follow the ballet on Instagram. It's uh, RW Ballet um, is the the tag, uh, the Instagram handle, I believe. Um, and yeah, we we post regularly about our show dates. Uh, you can subscribe like a full season, or you can just buy tickets as they come. If you're under thirty five, there's this thing called Access Point, which is um, you get thirty dollar tickets to any show, and they're good seats too. So. Uh, bonus if you're younger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, um, I'm I'm always pretty accessible, like on Instagram, or you'll probably see me around coffee shop or restaurant, or just I'm always willing to talk to people. So you can always seek me out. I'll always, I'll never say no. <laughs> so <laughs> unless it's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if that handles that answers that question. Yeah, for sure. We know where to find you. We know the RWB. We know the upcoming show. But yeah, yeah I wanted to thank you for coming yeah, on. Well, I thank know you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. It's been kind of cool to just like, that's how this podcast works is all of a sudden the, the Winnipeg world just becomes that much bigger. Um, well, and smaller at the same time, yeah. finding guests. But it's, uh, it's really cool to get your perspective on ballet and life and food and all these different experiences you've had. I think I'm jealous of how resolute and like <laughs> sure of yourself and the, and the path that you are. So it's awesome. Like I, I'm, I'm glad to have that perspective oh, and have this conversation and, and chat with you on all this. Definitely, yeah. it's been a blast. This is awesome. It's an awesome thing you guys got going on. So, thank you. You are a very inspiring person too. Aww. Just to, uh, in what Riley said too, that you knowing have that absolute and knowing what you want to do and just being able to figure out how to do it your entire life. That that's truly inspiring. I, I appreciate that a lot. It means a lot. <laughs> um, and as always, we're Be The Change. Be The Change YPS on social media, so on both Facebook and Instagram. This is my radio voice, if you didn't notice. Uh, info at bethechangeyps.com is our email. If you ever have anything for us, information or guest ideas or something you want us to chat about on the podcast, uh, check us out on the website. We have all the former episodes on there at bethechangeyps.com. I can't think of any announcements that we might have. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've seen you, but life happens. And um, but Hopefully more regular going forward now. Yes. Hopefully more regular and much more, I don't know, what's the word? Consistent, Consistent. going forward. Yeah. That is something that we strive for, but it just happens to... But we're always happy to come back and have of these course. conversations. And I don't think we we see a, 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 well, in the foreseeable future, we're going to have podcasts. And we have a lot of guests coming up and a lot of things to bring towards you. So subscribe on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you happen to be listening. Hit all the buttons Just somewhere. hit all the buttons, press <laughs> the like, and maybe say four words or more on Instagram. On Instagram. <laughs> Kick those algorithms in the yeah. And uh, that's all, folks.